Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Assalatu wassalamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Inshallah, tonight we're continuing in the series of the Ten Companions Promised Paradise by the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And these ten are famous because they've been mentioned and grouped in one hadith of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, where he said, Abu Bakr is in Jannah. And he said, Umar, Uthman, Ali, Sa'id ibn Zayd, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, Talha ibn Ubaidillah, Az-Zubayr ibn Al-Awwam, Abu Ubaidah, and Abdul Rahman ibn Awf. So these ten have become famous as the ten Ashra al-Mubashara because of this hadith, even though we said there are other companions that were promised paradise. But these, are, these ten were mentioned in the one hadith, and they are the best ten of the companions. And so that's why they are grouped together like this. And inshallah, as we said last time, if you were to go into each of their lives, you could go into a lot of detail and a lot of analysis, but that's not the intention. But inshallah, each time I will try in roughly half an hour to try and highlight some key questions about their lives. Who were they, their names, their kunya, what were they before Islam, how they came to Islam. So highlight the main points of their lives. And inshallah, um, in each lecture that should trigger us to find out more detail about these men and what made them so special and eventually to use them to have them as role models for ourselves and especially today for our children who are really lacking when it comes to the issue of positive Islamic role models so inshallah that is the intention to give us you know, a short lecture and to highlight the main points of which one of these companions so tonight, inshallah, we are looking at Umar ibn Khattab after Abu Bakr, the second best of the companions, radiallahu anhum ajma'in. And when we say the name Umar, we automatically have this image, this giant of Islam, towering, physically imposing man, physically imposing in his character, his harshness, his sternness. He's one of the giants in our history. Inshallah, I'll try and shed some more light on Umar. Um, that he was a bit more than this and there was more to his character. So he was Umar ibn al-Khattab, the son of al-Khattab, the son of Nufail. And he was born 13 years after the year of the elephant, which means he was 13 years younger than the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he was from the tribe of Banu Adi. They were one of the lesser tribes in Medina, in Mecca. So he wasn't from the strong, powerful tribes of Banu Hashim and Banu Umayyah. And his life before Islam, before he came to Islam, we know a bit about his life. And this will give us an idea of what he became later on. So when he was young, he was a shepherd. And we don't know much about his, his father, but what we do know of a small amount that his father was very harsh and rough with him. And he narrates, he says, after he became Khalifa, one day he was walking through the valleys of Mecca, and he came to a certain valley that he remembered from his youth. And he says, how strange is fate. I used to pasture my camels here. So he used to have uh, camels from his father and his uncles and aunts. He said, I was the shepherd. I used to look after them. And he said, if I got tired, my father used to beat me. He said, now I am the ruler. When he became Khalifa, he said, now I am the ruler and no one is above me except Allah. So he's saying this out of his humility. But the main point from this quote is he said when he was young, 
what would his father do? He said, when I got tired from being a shepherd all day, if I showed any sign of weakness or tiredness, he said, my father used to beat me. And so we can understand how he got this harsh side to his character, where he's got his roughness from. And usually a person, especially a child, is a product of their environment. So Umar ibn Khattab with his father, he grew up in this harsh way. It wasn't a, a, you know, a tender, loving, caring relationship, but his father was a harsh man. So harsh that if he showed weakness, his father used to beat him. And so this is the manner in which Umar ibn Khattab grew up. And when he was older, before he became Muslim, he, he was a wrestler and he was an orator. So he used to recite poetry. And also what's noticeable, noticeable is that he was an emiss- uh, he used to be an envoy for Quraysh. So when Quraysh needed someone to speak to the other tribes, they wanted to send someone to represent Quraysh, Umar ibn al-Khattab would be sent as an envoy to speak on the behalf of Quraysh with other tribes. So this was a noticeable position amongst the Quraysh. And interestingly, uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab, he was one of the few who could read and write. Uh, he was... And it said at that time, maybe 20 people or so in all of Mecca knew how to read and write. And so this shows you a bit, uh, you know, about the character of Umar, that, you know, he was, uh, he was someone of knowledge. You know, he's someone uh, that used to think, you know. And so that was his, his upbringing and his life uh, before Islam. And in terms of his, his family life, we know over his whole lifetime, he was married to about seven women during his lifetime. And he had many children. And the most famous of his children were Hafsa, who was his daughter. And she, later she married the Prophet Wasallam, so she was a mother of the believers. And from his sons, the most famous is Abdullah ibn Umar, the great scholar, warrior, narrator of a hadith. And Umar, his kunya was, interestingly, it was Abu Hafs. Not after his son Abdullah, but as after his daughter, who was the eldest, the mother of the believers. So they called him Abu Hafs. That was his kunya. He also, he had a brother whose name was Zayd ibn al-Khattab. And his brother Zayd became Muslim before him. And also he had a sister, Fatima. And she also became a Muslim before him. Moving on, we look at now Umar's conversion to Islam. And there's a few narrations about different incidents of how Umar uh, became a Muslim. But the most famous one that's been mentioned in the seerah is that one day Umar, uh, and we know that before Islam, he used to be really harsh with the Muslims. And he used to persecute and, and torture some of the Muslims. That, that's what he was like before Islam. So one day he was so fed up with the Muslims, he was so angry. He grabbed his sword and he said, I'm going to kill Muhammad. So along the way, he met one of the Muslims. And this person hadn't yet come out with his Islam. His Islam was secret. But he saw Umar and he saw the intent in the eyes of Umar. He knew that he meant something bad. So he stopped him and he said to him, Umar, where are you going? Umar said, Uridu Muhammad. I wish, uh, I seek Muhammad. I want to kill him. The man, this Muslim, he said to him, what do you mean you're going to kill Muhammad? Do you think Banu Hashim, if you kill him, you think the tribe Banu Hashim of Muhammad will leave you alive on this earth? He said, why don't you go look at your family? You are that Muhammad. He said, your sister and your brother-in-law, they've become Muslim. So Umar was so angry, he rushed to the house of his sister 
and he heard them reciting Quran. So he went inside the house and he said, what is this that you are reciting? And he grabbed his brother-in-law and he was roughing him up. And his sister, she jumped in front of him to defend her husband. And Omar, he struck her and he struck her so hard that she started to bleed. Now Omar, and this is the softer side of Omar. Yes, he's quick to anger, but there's another side of him. When he saw the face of his sister and he saw that she was bleeding, he felt regret. He felt sad and he calmed down and his temperament changed. And he said to his sister, show me, show me what you're reading. What is it that you're reading? So she took out a, a, a tablet, which was written some of the Quran, Surah Taha on. And she said to him, you can't touch it because you're a mushrik. Until you shower and bathe, you're not allowed to touch it. So Omar showered and bathed and he came and he started reciting Taha. As soon as he read these words, his heart changed. And that's when Islam got triggered inside of him. So then he went to the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, where he was hiding and he knocked on the door. And Prophet Muhammad said to the Muslims, they were scared. They said, Umar is at the door. Prophet said, let him in. So the Prophet grabbed Umar and he shook him. Oh, Umar, what do you want? What do you intend? Umar said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. I testify that there is no God worthy of worship except Allah and that you are the messenger of Allah. And so that is the famous incident of how Umar became a Muslim. And we know the Islam of Umar and Hamza, which was in about the 60 of, uh, after um, the, the Wahi, after the revelation, after six years of prophethood, around that time the historians say Umar became Muslim, and that completely changed the trajectory of Islam. And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he, he narrates that we were always so scared and worried until Umar became a Muslim. And we saw that as a sign of strength. And then we openly declared our, our Islam. And so we know a few days later, Umar, he came to the Messenger of Allah He said, oh, Messenger of Allah, aren't you on the truth? Didn't Allah send you with the truth? Prophet said, yes. He said, oh, Messenger of Allah, then why are we hiding? Why don't we openly proclaim Islam? So Umar said, the next day I, I came out, I led one line of Muslims and Hamza led the other line of Muslims. And he said, when Quraysh saw that I was on, in charge of a line and Hamza was in charge of the other line, he can see the doom and the gloom on their faces, that they can sense their, their humiliation and their feet. And Umar has become a Muslim and Hamza, two of the notables and the strong men of Quraysh. So Umar said, ever since that time, Prophet ﷺ gave him the taru of al-faruq. And al-faruq means the one that distinguishes between the truth and the falsehood. And that's what Umar radiallahu anhu was. As the Prophet ﷺ said that when shaitan will see a path that Umar is on, the shaitan will flee and try and take another path. Such was the strength and the truth and the justice of Umar that he was given this taru al-faruq. Now in terms of his life after his Islam, uh, Umar, um, and this, this honor has been given to only a few Muslims and Abu Bakr was one of them. He attended all the major events and battles in the life of the Prophet Muhammad ever since he came to Islam. So he participated in the migration and we know he was one of the only ones when he migrated, all the companions migrated secretly. But Umar openly migrated. And then all the major events, the Battle of Badr, the Battle of Uhud, uh, Al-Khandaq, uh, Tabuk, Hunayn, Fatih Makkah, all the major battles and events, 
Umar radiallahu anhu witnessed them with the Prophet sallallahu and very few of the companions had this honor and he and Abu Bakr were one of the few. That was in terms of the events that Umar uh, witnessed throughout his lifetime. So as I said inshallah, I'm not going to go into all of the details all of those different events, obviously and they included the Sirah of Prophet Muhammad وسلم, But just to give us an idea of his life But now I want to look at the character of Umar uh, What distinguished him from the rest of the companions And Umar, we know he had a very very strong character, very strong temperament And um, he's, some, he's, he's, he's viewed in a way where whenever he mentioned Umar, this strong Harsh, firm character uh, is brought to mind more so than any other of the other companions. But really, this is not the whole truth of Omar. Yes, he was firm. Yes, he was harsh. But he was only like that when he needed to be. Radiallahu And the strength of his character was such that when he needed to be firm and strict, he could make himself like that. When he needed to be tender, he would change his character around completely. And such was his self-control. And he, radiallahu he knew this about himself. He was aware of what his character was. And so he has this famous quote, when he became Khalifa of the Muslims, everyone was worried that Abu Bakr chose Umar to become Khalifa after him. And Umar, they knew him to be strong and firm and tough and harsh. So everybody was scared. How's he going to deal with us? So Umar, he stood up you need to, um, to put him at rest. He said to them, look, at the time of the Messenger of Allah the Messenger of Allah, he was known to be lenient and generous. So he said, I didn't want anyone taking advantage of this. So he said, I tried to be, you know, uh, to counter that and be the opposite of that. I showed him strength and firmness and harshness. And he said, I was like an un unsheathed sword. So I was there as a sword to be used by the Messenger of Allah When he needed it, I gave him that option. And we will know many times Umar would come and an incident would take place and Umar would say, Oh Messenger of Allah, allow me to chop off the head of this munafiq or allow me to chop off the head of this traitor. So he said, I sensed that leniency and that generosity in the Messenger of Allah I didn't want anyone taking advantage of him. So he said, I opposed this and I gave him another side, another option. And so I was there if the Messenger of wanted to use me in this way, I was there as an unsheathed sword to use me when he wanted and to sheathe it back when he didn't want. And he said, when the Messiah died, Abu Bakr was the same kind of man. He was lenient, he was gentle. And so again, I counted that. I gave him the option of strength and firmness and harshness when he needed it. He said, but now that I am the Khalifa, I'll be different. He said, the strong of you I'll make them weak until I take their rights. And the weak, the weak from you, I will humble myself for them until I give them their rights. So this was Umar His character was balanced. And he had the force and he could see what needed to be done. And he saw those qualities in the Messenger of Allah and Abu Bakr. And so he counted that. And that's why he was, he had, he was given, he had this reputation of being firm and harsh and strict. And but really inside, his heart for the believers was something else entirely. He had a softer side, a more lenient side, a, a sensitive side. Inshallah, so I'll try in, 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 in some incidents to, um, show, to highlight this side of Umar radiallahu anhu. 
And if we go back to, the, to his conversion, when he went and stormed into the house of his sister and he was so angry and he, was a, he struck uh, uh, her husband and he struck her. But as soon as he struck her, he wasn't this, he wasn't this tyrant. And he, when he became angry, it wasn't just he saw red and he just destroyed everything in front of him. He wasn't like that. When he struck his sister and he saw her bleeding, something, there was a softer side. He regretted his actions. He saw the face of his sister bleeding and he, he had the sensitivity to him. So his whole temperament changed towards her, radiallahu anhu. So this was the side that he had in him. He was quick to anger. At the same time, he could be so sensitive and tender when he needed to be, radiallahu anhu. And to show you this side of it, another incident where before he became Muslims, he found, we know, we said that he was very stern with the Muslims before he became a Muslim. But once he came across some Muslims, a family, and uh, they, were, they were packing their belongings, and he asked him, where are you going? And that was, the, at that time, they were migrating to Ethiopia, to Al-Habasha, and that was the first group to migrate. She said, we are leaving, because you have treated us harshly, we have to leave our homes, just so we can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so what was Umar's reaction? He saw their firmness, their strength, even though he was harsh towards the Muslims, he respected that stance and he said, May you go with Allah. Allah, Allah protect you, even though he, he wasn't yet a Muslim. But he saw, he, he respected that stance, he understood that stance. And to, again, to highlight this, this side of Umar, when he became Khalifa later on, we know that he used to patrol the city of Medina. He would patrol at night to see who was in trouble, who was in need. So one time he was patrolling Medina. And he heard some kids crying. And he went to the sound and he saw that there was a fire being lit and there was a pot. And he found a woman there. And he said to this woman, What is wrong with you? Fear Allah. Can't you hear that your children are crying? She said to him, The children are crying because they're hungry. He said, Okay, they're hungry. What, what, is, what are you cooking? What's on the pot? She said, We don't have any food. But every night they're so hungry. I don't have any food to give them. So what I do is I put the pot on and I make some noise and I light the fire just to make them to think that there is some food and hopefully that will put them to sleep. So Umar, when he saw this incident, and he, he was so taken back. I'm, I'm, I'm the Khalifa, I'm responsible for the affairs of the Muslims and there are these children at night crying, crying themselves to sleep out of hunger. So he rushed to the storeroom he grabbed big uh, bags of wheat and he grabbed food and he had his servant with him. And his servant said, Umar, Amir al-Mu'mineen, let me, let me carry the bags for you. So he said to him, leave me alone. You know, on the day of judgment, are you going to carry my burdens for me? So he carried the bags of wheat on his shoulder. He went straight for the woman. He cooked himself. He made some bread. He made some soup. And he still wouldn't leave until she woke the children, until he saw that they were eating and he said to, to his servant, he said, I didn't want to leave them. I couldn't leave them until I saw that I had cooked the food, that the children had eaten, that they were happy, they were fed, and they'd gone back to sleep. So subhanAllah, this was how sensitive Umar was. Not only did he rush to bring them food, to cook them food, but he was so worried about the children. And he was so um, affected by, by seeing them in their state of hunger that his heart was not put at rest until he saw them safely and uh, sound and asleep and they had been fed. That was, you know, he, such was his, that, that was his tender side, you know, that he, he was so sensitive to this level. 
I've just given him food, I've done my duty, that's it. No, he was going to put his mind at rest and made sure he wanted to see the smiles and the happiness on the faces of the children. That was the tender and the sensitive side of Umar. And then another incident similar to this, when also when he was Khalifa, he made a rule that uh, if you have a newborn, you wouldn't receive any allowance until that child was not breast, breastfeeding anymore. So until they, they were eating solid foods, you wouldn't receive that allowance. So he was walking in the streets and he heard the child crying. And he went to that sound and he knocked on the door and he found the woman and he said to her, Fear Allah, can't you hear your child is crying? She said, I'm weaning him. He said, why are you weaning him? He's still very young. She said, because Umar won't give us any allowance until the child is weaned, until he stops breastfeeding and he's eating solid food. Then Umar won't give us any allowance. So it's like she's starving the child to get him after breastfeeding and to start eating solids. So later on when Umar was leading the Fajr prayer, nobody could hear his recital because he was weeping so much. And after the prayer he said, Woe to you Umar, how many children were starving because their mothers were weaning them just so they can get the allowance. And this is all on your neck, O Umar. And so he changed the rule. And he said, any newborn, whether they are weaned or not weaned, they will get an allowance. And again, this is the tender, sensitive side of Umar. He was so worried that there are children out there crying themselves to sleep because of the rules that he made. And such and he, such as was his sensitivity that he was thinking about his population to this kind of level, radiallahu anhu. So this was what Umar was. He was a well-rounded character. He was firm and harsh and tough when he needed to be against the enemies of Allah, against the leaders of Quraysh. But at the same time, when he needed to be sensitive, when he needed to be tender, he was like that, radiallahu anhu. And he had this balance to his character. It was not all anger and temper and harshness, but he was what he needed to be, radiallahu anhu. Another thing that I wanted to really holler in Umar that is you know, really special about him, that he had an enormous self-control. When I say self-control, we know, we know our nafs, we know our desires, and a lot of times that overwhelms us. We know something is bad or I shouldn't be doing something, but the push and the pull towards it is so strong that it's hard to control yourself, to control your nafs, and to keep it set to a limit. But Umar radiallahu he was known that he could control his nafs, no matter what it is. He could control what he needed to be and how he needed to be. Not his self, not his nafs. And to highlight a few of these incidents, one time uh, he came and he found the Prophet and Abu Bakr crying. And this was after the battle of Badr, when the Muslims uh, were, were thinking, should we take the captives, should they be killed, or should be the, the captives be ransomed? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down a verse that the captives needed to be, uh, they should have been killed. But now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has changed the law and has, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed you to ransom them. But Prophet and Abu Bakr were crying because they wanted to ransom, they wanted to ransom the captives. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that you should have been thinking about making an example of them and killing them. So there was a slight rebuke in the verse when it came down. So he came and he found Abu Bakr and the Prophet crying. And he looked at him and he said, why are you both crying? He said, tell me what it is that maybe I can cry with you. He said, but if, if, I, if I can't cry, if it's not something that I find 
uh, that's going to make me cry. He said, I will make myself cry. This was his empathy. All right, tell me what it is. All right, even if I can't cry, I will force myself to cry. All right? Imagine he had this empathy, you know, this sensitivity to feel what the Prophet and Abu Bakr were going through. And you know, if, he, if he can't cry, but at least I'll, I'll make myself I'll force, even if there's no tears, I have such self-control that I'll force myself to cry just to empathize with you and to be like you. And Omar radiallahu anhu, you know, to highlight this, this uh, um, side of his character, I found this when I came across the, this quote of his, very, very interesting. He said that the reason I got married, he said, I don't know, it wasn't for, for personal desire or shahwa towards women, right? He said, I didn't have this kind of desire where it was uncontrollable. He said, I got married and I slept with my wives. He said, sometimes, you know, even though I didn't like it, I would force myself to be with my wives, right? Even though I didn't want to. He said, but I would force myself to do that. Why? He said, because I wanted Allah to bless me with children. Children, offspring that would worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there'll be an excuse for me on the day of judgment. Right? And he said, if it, wasn't, if it wasn't for that, for getting children, he said, then I wouldn't have minded. I could have lived my whole life without being married. And it wouldn't have bothered me. I can control this side of my character. Right? This, this urge, this sexual desire, it didn't control him. He has such self-control over his body and over his will that if it wasn't for the sake of children, then he wouldn't have even gotten married. You know? And he would have to force himself again, another side of his self-control. Even though he didn't want to do that action, but he would force himself into that action and make himself enjoy it right? just for the sake of his wife and for the sake of getting children. Again, this is the self-control of Umar radiallahu And you know, the, the greatest story to, to highlight this point um, that shows us the, the, the self-control of Umar was when during his Khilafah there was a year of famine. There was drought, um, so the land wasn't producing in, in the, its, its normal produce in terms of agriculture. And there was a famine and people were starving. So there's so many foods that people couldn't get. And the food that was available in the market was so scarce that the prices were astronomical. Most people couldn't afford them. He being the Khalifa, obviously, he had the power and authority to eat whatever he wanted. He had that position. He was the Khalifa. But he made an oath on himself. He said that I will only eat bread. And what he would do, he would take the bread and he would dip it in oil. And that's, that was his meal, bread and oil. And he said, I will only eat like this until the rest of the Muslims can afford the average food. Right? Before that, he used to get um, he used to eat milk and he used to get, it's called ghee. It's like butter, but it's a, it's a lot richer and it has a lot more calories, a lot more fat in it. So he will dip bread in butter and milk and ghee and eat that. But once the famine came along and the Muslims couldn't afford this kind of food, he said to himself that I'll only eat bread and oil until the rest of the Muslims can afford to eat normal food. And imagine he stayed like this for about a year. And he became so weak because of his diet. And his actual, you know, his body would, you know, his stomach would make noises because he was starving. Right? But he said to his stomach, whether you, you make noises or don't make noises, but Allah, you're not eating anything else until the rest of the Muslims can afford it. And this was the self-control of Umar. Imagine this self-control. I can afford other foods. I can eat other foods. 
but I'm going to force myself to eat in a certain way for the sake of the rest of the ummah. And even if my body, my organs are rejecting that, I will force my mind and my body to act in this way. This is self-control. This is, this is the, the true marks of a man, this type of self-control. And this is really one of the quality traits that Umar, uh, Umar made him so special. Anhu. And moving on to the last thing I want to highlight about Umar. Anhu. Um, we said he, was, he participated in all the major events of the life of the Messenger of Allah. And after the death of the Messenger of Allah, uh, Abu Bakr became the Khalifa of the Muslims. And then when Abu, Abu Bakr passed away after two years or so, Umar became the Khalifa of the Muslims. And when Umar became Khalifa, he set a precedent in ruling. His Khilafah, which was about 10 or 12 years, he set a precedent in ruling. And he set a standard that nobody had ever seen before him, radiallahu anhu, and nobody had ever seen that kind of standard after him. Throughout all of our history and all the other khulafat that came along, and we know there's been many great khulafat, we had never ever seen such a standard as was set by Umar radiallahu in his, his 12 years or so of being Khalifa, in his leading style, in his rule, uh, ruling, in his justice. The justice of Umar, the ruling of Umar, the care that he had towards the people under him radiallahu And he has many famous quotes, but one of his most famous quotes he said that, he used to be so worried, and at night he used to be up awake thinking about the Ummah, thinking about all the lands he controlled, thinking about the frontiers of Islam, the armies of Islam, and the lives of the Muslims that are at risk during warfare. And he would think about all the rights and his responsibilities. And he said he was so scared of all of these rights and responsibilities that he was even afraid that if an animal tripped somewhere on one of the roads, because Umar hadn't paved that road, he said, I fear that Allah subhanahu wa will hold me, call me to account not that judgment for the animal that trips on the road. Such was his justice and his care, radiallahu that he was even worried about the animals. So imagine what his care was for the, for the humans, for, for the Muslims. And we know he, when he, we said he became Khalifa, his famous quote, he said, the stronger of you should be weak until I take their rights. So if you are strong, you think you are above everyone else, I will forcefully take those rights from you and give them to those that they belong to. And if you are weak, I will humiliate myself and I will place my forehead on the ground until you take your rights from me. This was the standard عنه, that he set. And this is the way he lived his khilafah. And we know his patrols. His patrols were famous. That he used to go at night. And we know he spent his whole day looking after the affairs of the Muslims, the jihad, the foreign policy, the different lands that were open to Islam, the different strategies of dealing with the Roman Empire, the Byzantines and the Persians. But at night, he would patrol the city of Medina. He would take his servant with him and he would go out into the night and he would hear many things. And we narrated those incidents before where as he's patrolling, he would hear children crying. He would hear people making dua. He would hear... Uh, uh, people starving. What is your issue? He would travel to be coming into Medina. Who are you? What do you need? How can I help you? Once a woman came to him, he said, Amir al-Mu'minin, my children, my husband is dead, they're orphaned, and we have no one to look after us. And we ask for your help. So Umar, straight away, he sent for his servant, go 
and get this much for her uh, from the Baytul Mal, from the storage. And when he, he gave her a camel and it was packed with goods, and he said to her, Inshallah, another one will be following it. And his servant said, You have given her too much. And he said to him, Be quiet. I remember when her father and his son were guarding the frontiers of Islam. And when we gained spoils, we shared those spoils. So I remember the struggles of her family for Islam. And so now I'm going to look after her as her father looked out for Islam. Such was the justice of Umar and the care and the love of Umar towards the Ummah Muhammad Wasallam. And we mentioned earlier that he gave when, when the, the Persian lands and the, uh, the Roman lands were opened, enormous riches came into the Muslim lands. So he set allowances for every single person that will be given an allowance according to what you need. And we know that there was a um, a period, we mentioned the period of famine, where for about a year or so, Medina suffered extreme drought. And so the Muslims were going, a lot of people died from famine. And so Umar, عنه, he used the resources of the Ummah. So he sent out to other areas, to Palestine, to Asham, to, to Egypt. He sent word to the other governors, you know, we, are in, we need help, we're in famine. Send supplies, send camels, send animals, send us food, send us stock, we're in need of help. And so Umar would wait on the outskirts of Medina and he would see, make sure that all these goods, the camels, the food that is going in, and he would hold open banquets in Medina. And he himself, imagine he himself, he was the Khalifa, the leader of the Muslims, and Islam was so strong at the time, he himself would stand there, he would cook the food, and he would serve the food to the Muslims himself. He was the leader, but he would serve the food to the Muslims himself. That is the standing and justice that he said, radiallahu anhu. You know, and I'll finish off with this point. Um, one day, the, the Romans, they sent a messenger to the Muslims. So he came into Medina and he, he asked, where is Umar ibn al-Khattab? Where's your leader? And he thought he was going to find him in some palace or some stronghold. Some stronghold. And that's how the kings and the monarchs were used to at that time. But they said to him, come, we'll find Umar. So... Someone took him until they found a man sleeping under a tree. And he said to him, that's Umar. He said, that's your leader? He said, yes. So he said the famous words, Hakamta fa'adalta fanimta. He said, you've ruled, but you were just. You gave everyone their rights. No one has any, any rights upon you. You haven't dealt any injustice upon anyone. You haven't oppressed anyone. No one is seeking. No one has any anger towards you. No one is uh, has any... Um, Seeking anything against you. So he said, you ruled, you were just, so you slept. Because your mind is at rest. Can you imagine any, any leader being asleep without any guard, without any fortress, without any stronghold, being asleep amongst the people, so he's like everyone else? Such was the standard that Omar set. Such was the justice عنه, that he set. That he could save, sleep safely and soundly because he took care of the affairs of the Muslims. And that is the pre precedent that he set in leadership, radiallahu anhu, a precedent that has not been matched ever since his time, uh, radiallahu anhu. And that was Umar ibn al-Khattab, um, one of the giants of Islam, the giants of the Ummah Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, a well-rounded character. We said that he was... Um, Strong and severe and harsh, but at the same time, we said we have to highlight that the part of his character where he was sensitive, he was he had empathy, 
he was tender when he needed to be, and he was strong and harsh when he needed to be. This is the, the well-rounded character in Islam. You're strong when Islam dictates for you to be like that, and you're soft and tender when Islam dictates for you to be like that. And we said he had an amazing self-control. He controlled his nafs from his desires, and he was what he wanted to be. Not what his desires were telling him or his organs or his, or his mind. He was what he wanted to be. Radiallahu anhu. And his leadership, he set a standard that has not been matched since his time. Radiallahu anhu. And that was Umar ibn al-Khattab. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum. Fayafawzal mustaghfirin astaghfirullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.